The systemic risk in the economy is affected both by levels of consumer debt and federal debt. They don't necessarily interact directly, but high levels of debt across the economy can create risks for stress in the financial system, perhaps ultimately instability in the financial system. To hear more about potential impacts of our increasing federal debt level, subscribe to PGIM's The Outthinking Investor in your favorite podcast app. Pushkin. This is a market show, but behind the markets, there are human beings. And those human beings, sometimes they get in some trouble. That is the tale of Joe Lewis, the legendary currency trader and British billionaire, who this week was charged by US authorities with insider trading. Today on the show, we discuss the type of trading you really shouldn't do. This is Unhedged, the markets and finance show from the Financial Times and Pushkin. I am reporter Ethan Wu, joined today in the New York studio by legal correspondent Joe Miller. Lovely to be here, Ethan. Joe, you know, we talk about market moves. We talk about trades. This is something different. This is the type of thing you really shouldn't do if you want to be a market participant in the long term, allegedly. Yeah, let me tell you, this is really different, even for a legal correspondent who's seen um, his fair share of insider trader indictments in the last few months. For a start, we're looking at an 86-year-old billionaire here. And uh, one of our colleagues shortly after the indictment dropped just G-chatted me saying, I need to understand why you would commit insider trading in your 80s. <laughs> and um, you get bored after retirement. Like, what do you what, what do you have to do? Right? Yeah, this is an unusual insider trading charge. Usually when you see these kind of indictments, they involve some young traders on the floor of an investment bank who have a little bit of knowledge that no one else has and share it with their friends and make a quick buck or two. Here we've got an 86-year-old billionaire sharing tips aboard yeah. his private plane and his yacht. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it certainly is very different. But let's back up and do some basics. Who is Joe Lewis? Well, even if you were a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, you would know who he is, uh, or indeed, if you knew anything about if British I knew soccer, what to- Tottenham Hotspur was. I, <laughs> it'd be a very different show. Yeah, well, I must declare a bias. I was born within spitting distance of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in for the uh, American listeners. London. Th- this is a soccer team. This it's is a, a soccer this team, is a football team, and I support their arch rivals, Arsenal. So we just have to get that out okay. of the way. But Joe Lewis, so he bought into Tottenham Hotspur in two thousand and one when he uh, bought a controlling stake off uh, Sir Alan Sugar, and he's since put the club in a trust whose ultimate beneficiaries include members of his family. But he actually made his reputation and his fortune as. You you mentioned as an FX trader, as a currency trader. He was one of the people who bet against the pound in the 90s, a famous trade that George Soros made a lot of money on. He was among those. And um, he's been living in the Bahamas for for decades. And he sort of moved on from currency trading and owns an enormous portfolio of real estate, biotech companies, mm-hmm. golf courses, all sorts of businesses around the world. Um He's quite a recluse. He's a bit of a wallflower. Not an awful lot yeah. known about him, but we certainly know what his interests are and you know how yeah. big his empire is. I, I wanted to flag this part that that he's a quiet man, and, and th- there's this interview in the New York Times in the late '90s where he gave this amazing quote, which just it's just incredible now in light of what we what we know from the government. One of the rewards of your success is the quiet enjoyment of it. Being on the front page of newspapers doesn't allow for that. 
I am absolutely <laughs> certain his lawyers will be quoting that at trial <laughs> if it gets to trial. Yeah. So British billionaire, 86 years old, made his money in the foreign exchange markets. And so he, he was born, uh, you write in your story, Joe, uh, above a pub in the East End in London. He was indeed, although I must point out, coming from the East End of London myself, that there are lots of pubs in East London. <laughs> Not remarkable to be born above a pub. Exactly. Okay. Um, the yeah, chances yeah. are higher than you might expect. Right. Remarkable, maybe, maybe not. How does he go from that to this kind of like world bestriding businessman? So he was born in, in 1937 uh, in the decade following the, the Great Depression in the rough and tumble streets of, of East London. Mm. And what we know is he dropped out of school when he was 15 years old. And, you know, like so many in that era, followed his you know family into the catering business and then somehow we don't, you know, as I said before, you know, he's a bit of a wallflower, so we don't know exactly how, but he ends up essentially running a bunch of businesses and then going into the speculation on currency markets, which really took off after the gold standard was, you know, fully abandoned in, in the 1970s. Um, what do we, Joe, what do we know about Lewis as a trader? Not an awful lot, but um, our colleague Katie Martin has been speaking to some veteran traders who knew him back in the, the 70s and 80s, and they had some colorful quotes to describe him. Hmm. Um, apparently, his nickname among FX traders was Two Scoops, and it took us a while, or took Katie a while rather, to work out why he was called Two Scoops. And apparently, it's because any time he did a trade, he would wait a few minutes, and this is a quote, to see how the market digested it. And if it went his way... He would buy another lot, so he would like come back for seconds. It's like the opposite of buying the dip. Yeah, exactly. And another trader said he he's no Soros, um, essentially, basically referring to his background. You know, Soros is you know highly educated LSE guy, and and Lewis is anything but. But described him as, and I really love this, an East End geezer with fingers in many pies. <laughs> What what does that mean? What does that mean? A geezer means like a dude. But what does the fingers and many pies mean? Oh, fingers and many pies means he's a wheeling and dealing guy. You yeah, know, yeah, he yeah, has yeah. like lots of interests in lots of different industries and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, has never seen an opportunity he, he doesn't like. We have a bit of background on, on Lewis now. Uh, let's talk about what the government is alleging he's he's done. As you, you know, fly to the top, Joe, this is a bit strange in terms of an insider trading case. It, it seems to be about favors. Yeah. So usually when you get an insider trading case, at some point in the indictment, there's an allegation of a quid pro quo. Right. At some point, the government says, so-and-so shared tips about, say, a public company with their friend, their golf buddy, their doorman. And that person then trades on that information and then they somehow share the profits and they both get rich. Right. Uh, this indictment is completely devoid of such an allegation. Basically, what it says is this guy, right, who's already a billionaire, is going around chatting to his pilots, to his ex-girlfriend, to his friends, saying you know, perhaps casually to them, uh, yo, yeah, you know, I know something about flooding in Queensland, for example, in Australia that is going to affect this company that he happens to own, a public right. company. Or I've heard about the results of a clinical trial involving one of the biotechs that he owns. And then these people go and trade on that information and sometimes make money themselves. But there's no allegation that that money right. then filters back to yeah, Joe Lewis. There's, there's no kickback. Uh, there's there's not, at least as far as we can tell, like an explicit scheme for, for profit sharing. And like you said, he's a billionaire, right? He doesn't need the money. And the question, Ethan, is does that matter right. when it comes to U.S. securities law? Because insider trading, essentially insider trading law, 
is not the most fully litigated area of US securities law. Um, it's still evolving because there haven't been that many test cases that are quite like this one. Yes. And the long and short of it, without getting into all of the technical detail is, is you have to, according to the statute, have derived a personal benefit mm -hmm. from sharing these tips, right? And the question is what constitutes a personal right. benefit. D does your girlfriend or your pilot feeling good about you constitute a personal benefit? Right, exactly. You know, I, I think we should say that from the charges US authorities have brought, there's some indication that they really did feel quite positive about him. There's a really, really good excerpt from a related SEC civil filing that came at the same time as the DOJ criminal filing we've been discussing. It's a conversation between Patrick O'Connor, one of Lewis's pilots and a friend of his, and they're discussing another man named Brian Waugh, who is also a pilot for Lewis. Here's O'Connor talking to his friend over text. Think the boss has inside info. Otherwise, why would he make us invest? Boss lent Waugh and I $500,000 each for this. I'm pretty sure he knows the outcome. Wow, he really loves you. He told me to buy and asked if I had spare cash. I said all invested and I need him. I was like a little puppy looking up at him. He couldn't refuse. Waugh just holds on and says... I got big balls. So, I mean, allegedly, Lewis gave them not only the stock tip, but also the money on which to trade the stocks. And they're, they're, they're feeling pretty grateful. Yeah, they seem pretty happy about it, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah. You've actually seen them in court, right? Yeah, they appeared yeah. in court yesterday for their arraignment alongside Joe Lewis. They, they all pleaded oh. not guilty. Wow. And I've got to say, Ethan, you've never seen two uh, private pilots who look more like two private pilots in your life. You know, sort of busting out of their uh, short sleeve shirts, aviators indoors, that kind of thing. Jeff Bezos immediately post midlife crisis is the vibe I'm getting. Definitely but paint, that vibe. Paint, paint the picture in the courtroom. What was that like? It was all over very quickly in around 25 minutes or so. It was a run-of-the-mill arraignment at which a magistrate judge uh, essentially makes sure the defendants understand the charges that were brought against them, reads them the rights, um, asks them how they plead, and then sets bail. Uh, I suppose the uh, most interesting part of it was, you know, Joe Lewis sitting there in his very crisp gray suit. I mean, one <laughs> of the best cut suits I've ever seen in my life, I must say. Okay. Um, man knows how to spend his money. But yeah, I mean, the most interesting part of it were the government's bail conditions and he is released on a $300 million bond which is cured against his yacht and his private planes mm. and he is not allowed to board his yacht anymore. That's some serious collateral. Yeah. So yeah. Th this is a, this is clearly, you know, if we take the SEC's complaint at face value, I, I'm sure there's going to be uh, in, in the litigation an argument over did this affect how Lewis was able to pay his pilots, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because one of the things you were trying to prove is, for example, that the personal benefit that he derived allegedly from sharing these tips would be, say, that he didn't have to give his pilots a raise um, and instead he just gave them these these tips. But there isn't anything in the indictment itself at the moment. And the government doesn't really have to lay out its full case in an indictment, just mm -hmm. basically, the you know, enough to get the charges through a grand jury. But there isn't anything in there that says, oh, yeah, and Lewis then didn't give a raise to his pilots for 10 years or, or you know, Lewis was, right. was flown around the world for free for the next decade or, or, or something like that. That may come, but you're right. That'll be the crux of the matter. I mean, it's kind of a lopsided case because the the you know the the headlines are all about Joe Lewis being charged, and all of the salient detail in the indictment is about 
the other characters really right. i mean the pilots have been charged they pleaded not guilty yesterday too but you know these are the pilots texting you know their friends and and each other you know uh, saying boss is helping us out and told us to get out asap and there's the, there's the, the the point about the encrypted app yeah Do yeah that in front of you all conversations on app is encrypted so all good no one can ever see <laughs> except that is uh, the long arm of the us government yes. um, yeah if if you uh, Listeners, if you are trying to insider trade, don't don't say that no one can see you insider trade. It's not becoming. You'd be surprised even how many indictments for insider trading contain messages like that. <laughs> we should just add that Joe Lewis is contesting this this litigation. Uh, his lawyer gave uh, gave the FT a statement. The government has made an egregious error in judgment in charging Mr. Lewis, an 86-year-old man of impeccable integrity and prodigious accomplishment. Mr. Lewis has come to the U.S. voluntarily to answer these ill-conceived charges, and we will defend him vigorously in court. Joe, maybe you could talk about the sense you have of Lewis's chances in court. I know I believe you've spoken with some legal experts who who focus on this type of, of litigation, given that it's an unusual case. How strong is Lewis's defense here in, in your view? I did speak yesterday to a few sort of heavyweights of the white collar bar, so to speak, experts in, you know, defending people against charges of securities fraud in particular and insider trading. And look, there's no one out there who's going to read this indictment and all of the quotes in it and think that, you know, Joe Lewis is not in big trouble. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, just described to me as a, as a blockbuster case and one which will be very, very closely watched by the, the white collar bar particularly for the reason we've discussed, because there isn't this, you know, explicit quid pro quo. The interesting sort of contour of this is, you know, personal benefits that have been accrued to to Joe Lewis, allegedly, you know, will his defense essentially be, he's a billionaire, what are you talking about? Right. And is that a defense? And, you know, will that work? The government has a lot riding on this because the government is, you know, prosecutors are always trying to broaden the definition of you know mm. various crimes under various statutes in order to essentially give them the maximum power to go after what they see as wrongdoing. You know, and they've made a big song and dance about this indictment. Uh, Damien Williams, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, you know, did a video statement. They don't yeah. do that for every sort He's of very you know, triumphalist about this. Absolutely, yeah. and I think you know this will be seen as a test case for insider trading. And, you know, no one ever underrates the government's chances. The government very rarely loses yeah. um, cases, especially in the Southern District of New York. Okay, Joe, we've d discussed kind of the contours of this case, but j just for listeners, for, for any individual investors out there, I is there a lesson that we can take away from Joe Lewis's travails? Yes, Ethan. Don't do insider trading. <laughs> the one thing I will say is that if you ask people who watch the US government prosecutors, the SEC closely, they'll tell you there's some things the government do well and some things they don't do so well. But one of the things they really do well is insider trading. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the easiest pickings for law enforcement. They go backwards from the trade. Yep. So however hard you try and disguise it, they will look for unusual spikes for unusual trades and they will go from there and walk all the steps through backwards until they find you and they nine times out of 10 will find you. Yep. Yep. They're very good at it. I mean, the number of guys that have been arrested because they just told their wife about 
the stock of a company that they were on the board of. It's just it's just preposterous. But but like you know they yeah. they'll get you nine times out of ten. I mean, you will know better than me that most trading these days is algorithmic. So if yeah. something is unusual, it really stands out, and you don't have to be a genius to essentially work that out. That you know the the government has programs looking at this. Um, you know they've got their own algorithms essentially trying to detect this kind of spike or you know a sudden sale or uh, you know something happening hours before an, a company announces you know something um, or a disclosure comes out mm-hmm. they're just watching yep don't do this stuff the government is watching big brother's watching so for the schemers out there in the audience just don't do it we'll be back in a moment with long short Within just a few years, we will spend more on interest payments than we will on national defense. That is a bright flashing warning sign that we are on an unsustainable path. And clearly it is unsustainable because the fastest growing part of our budget is interest payments. And when you have a debt that's growing faster than your economy, obviously something will have to give. To hear more about potential impacts of our increasing federal debt level, subscribe to PGIM's The Outthinking Investor in your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. This is Long Short, that part of the show where we go long, a thing we love, and short, a thing we hate. Last week, listeners, I was feeling kind of down. I had a pretty dismal short. I was short civilization. Never something you want to be. So I, I've tried to come with some good news today. There's been a lot of great developments on on the medical front, on the on the biotech front. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, Eli Lilly released this kind of blockbuster drug that was shown to slow the uh, development of Alzheimer's. There's been a lot of writing about potentially the fact that we're in a golden age of medical innovation. You know, for for all the things about modernity that are kind of sad, this is one thing that is clearly, clearly good. I am long medical innovation. And I, Ethan, am short a 330-year-old bank whose clients allegedly... (laughs) (laughs) No, whose clients really do include uh, the royal family. Um, And I'll tell you why. Uh, this bank is Coots, which guarantees the utmost discretion to its clients, unless, of course, you're called Nigel Farage, <laughs> who you might be familiar with, was the leader of the Brexit campaign, uh, leader of the UK Independence Party. He lost his account at Coots. The bank then briefed the BBC saying that that was because the amount of money he held with them had fallen below the threshold. But it turns out that's not true. There was a 40-page dossier in which they discussed not liking his political views, and it's led to NatWest CEO, which owns Coots, standing down, and this morning, the Coots chief executive standing down. Uh, and I don't care how old you are as a bank. I think uh, if you guarantee discretion and you end up with egg on your face in such a spectacular fashion, I'm short. This is just the most British scandal there has ever been, possibly. Status. It's all about status. It is all about status. All right, Joe, thanks for being here. Listeners, we'll be back in your feed on Tuesday with another episode of Unhedged. Catch you then. Unhedged is produced by Jake Harper and edited by Brian Erstad. Our executive producer is Jacob Goldstein. We had additional help from Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Special thanks to Laura Clark, Alistair Mackey, John Schnars, Eric Sandler, and Jess Trulia. FT Premium subscribers can get the Unhedged newsletter for free, and a 90-day free trial is available to everyone else. Just go to ft.com slash unhedgedoffer. I'm Ethan Wu. Thanks for listening.